Welcome to Living Martial Arts with Master Ray Gale, aka The Dark Master. Living Martial Arts discuss and examines the everyday exercise, philosophy, and lifestyle of the martial arts enthusiast. The host talks about his own training, past and present, and he also interviews many martial artists to discover how they continue to live their own martial arts journey. Tune in for top tips on how to get the best out of your martial art. Or perhaps you're thinking of starting a martial art. This podcast offers you an easy way to dip your toe in. Sign up for the newsletter at livingmartialarts.com and get regular updates and training tips direct to your inbox. Follow the Dark Master on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Living Martial Arts. Oh, hi. Right. Just hello to all the uh, Living Martial Arts uh, fans. Let's hope we're, uh, my audience is um, increasing. Um, and uh, I've, I've missed a couple during the, um, the summer period, but we're back on it again. Uh, I've got a great guest today, uh, Mr. Stuart Anslow. And um, he is actually editor of uh, Totally Taekwondo magazine, digital magazine, which has been around for a long time and highly respected by a lot of people I know as well. Uh, he's also um, the author of a number of different books on Taekwondo and also, uh, I don't know him, and he'll probably tell tell me, is very well known for um, his knowledge on uh, alternative applications uh, to the moves in uh, the patterns within Taekwondo. Um, so, yes. Hi, Stuart. How are you doing? Yeah. Um, hi. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks. Good, 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 good. Well, I, I hope I haven't misrepresented you in any way there. Um, so if I have, just let me know. Um, but uh, like all of these podcasts and as people I speak to, I always like to give the audience a bit of an overview, really, um, of people's sort of martial arts journey and um, some of the, you know, things they've done and what they've been through and, and so on. So I don't know if you can, if you can do that for us. Okay, well, um, I got into martial arts about 1986, um, just at my end years of high school. Um, bummed around a bit with different clubs and different instructors. Uh, went to college, and then I started part. I was doing a physical education um, CSE at the time, and uh, I went to college, done some judo there for about six months, and fencing as well for another six months, and then uh, I finally decided to settle down with a martial art and study it properly. So I looked around at the clubs in the area. Um, there was a couple of karate clubs, but I didn't really want karate. So I, I saw I knew quite a lot about martial arts, so I thought back then I wanted something that wasn't as rigid in my view as karate and not as flowy as many of the kung fu styles I've seen. So I sort of went in between and picked taekwondo, checked a few taekwondo clubs up, and uh, settled at Wembley Taekwondo, which was at the time run under. Um, the BUTF, or still is under the BUTF, under Grandmaster Choi. Okay, no, no, no worries. Well, I, I mean, um, it, it's interesting because uh, I knew a little bit about martial arts before I started, but mainly from uh, mainly, mainly from TV. And, and I, I went to a karate club when I first started, um, and I think I've said this before on the podcast. Um, I went when I went along to the karate club. I just found all the people were huge and massive. I was like the smallest there. I used to come back beaten and battered most uh, most evenings. To be honest, um, that wasn't the reason why I stopped going there. The reason I stopped going there was I found out there was a taekwondo class closer to me, 
and I didn't have to take initially a bus. Um, but then when I started uh, driving, you know, I didn't have to drive too far. I could uh, either walk or take my push bike, which is which is what's you know uh, about. So um, you mentioned um, uh, Master Choi. Uh, I, you know, I knew knew uh, knew him well. Um, it, it, obviously, I, I know that um, you know he's not still still teaching, and I, I assume the the school is uh, under a different instructor now. I, I don't know if you know who who is teaching there. He well, uh, Grandmaster Choi passed away a few years back, actually. Yes, um, and uh, he was my he was the chief instructor of the organisation. My my proper instructor is Master David Bryan, and okay. at the time, I've had two instructors. So it was Master Bryan who was uh, I think third or fourth down then. And yeah. uh, Mr. John Pepper, who was the second degree. So we used to get different instructors on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. He, yeah. Master Brian, my, Mr. Pepper retired quite some years ago. And Master Brian's still teaching Wembley Taekwondo. Right, right. So still still going strong. Yeah, still going. Excellent, excellent. So um, obviously, um, I mean, I mentioned in the uh, in the intro, you know, you've got a, a passion for uh, Taekwondo or some of the... Um, you know the alternative application of taekwondo. Um, you know how how this is sort of a <laughs> all of these questions could could last for three hours, I'm sure. <laughs> and I was going to say, how do you fit martial arts into your life now in, in these days? You know, uh, I know that you're an instructor, you teach, and you know you've written some books and so on. But uh, you know, what 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 does your sort of um, everyday martial arts life or week look like? Well, I'm I'm a full time instructor now. Yeah. As in, I make my living from Taekwondo. It's a mix between my my club, um, the books, and the magazine. And uh, so when things aren't going quite so well in one area, you know, the other things cover it. It's not all eggs in one basket. The club's yeah. doing pretty well. Uh, the club's been established now 21 years. So um, that's good. Uh, so I, I teach in three days a week. And when I'm not teaching, um, I'm either working out of my bag at home sometimes, not as often as I used to when I was young, um, yeah. or the magazine, um, and then, you know, might settle down and, and start doing a, another book. I'm, I'm not doing one at the moment, but, you know, that takes a lot of time. But, yeah, that's, that's my week is basically martial arts, whether I'm at the club or at home. You know, I don't really, I don't do any other sports, I'm not out playing football or anything like that. So I might yeah. be running from my at home. My daughter trains as well, so training with her sometimes. Sure. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, I'm doing it wrong. I'm still doing four, four to five nights a week. <laughs> I need to do less. I keep saying to myself every every uh, year I need to do less. Um, but I, well, keep doing more. I, I have thought of doing that because I know a lot of instructors, you know, teach more. Um, but I don't want the shine to go. I've, I've always loved doing it, and I figure if you're doing it all the time, you know, teaching all the time, it's going to take the, the shine off it a bit. So. Yeah. You know, I, I my classes. I'm not I'm not like raking in the money and I'm not driving around in Ferraris like some instructors and things like that. But you know, I'll get by and pay me mortgage, so I'm happy. Well you 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 and me both. I'm <laughs> I'm definitely not living an extravagant lifestyle. Uh I've got to be honest, I know I do I, I haven't found that. I mean I, I'm I'm I enjoy my uh, uh I do enjoy my teaching, even though I'm saying, you know, four or five nights. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I still do that is because I still love doing it. I still enjoy it. And I still love doing it. Uh, and sometimes at the end of the week, it gets a bit, uh, it gets a bit tiring, but uh, you know, I've never ever uh, thought that I would ever retire from this, you know, apart from when they knock the nails in to my wooden yeah. box. 
uh, that's going to be it for me. You know, I started doing it and I've, I've always told my students I'm going to be uh, here forever uh, doing it. And unless I can't do it for any reason, um, then I'll, I'll still keep still keep going. So it, it still does. Um, it still does excite me. Um, and uh, every uh, <laughs> and I, I do enjoy the physical side of it as well. Um, I love I love the actual you know the push ups and the um, the kicking. Not that I can kick as high as I used to, but I do love that, which is really what sparked my interest when I first started. Um, it was the, the physical side of it and the the sweat and you know <laughs> I loved it, loved it every minute of it. So so it was great. And um, long long may that continue. I'm, I'm hoping to teach to at least ninety five, uh, and then I might slow down. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I can't see myself stopping teaching. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what what do you think the main the main benefits? Um, I mean, some some of them are obvious within martial arts, I think. But um, it, it'd be interesting to find out what you think of the main benefits that you've got from first of all, you, you you're training as an individual, and then maybe as an as an instructor. Well, from training, obviously, learning how to fight, how to defend yourself, which gives you confidence. And that confidence, this is something I always tell parents or students, it's confidence that expands into other areas of your life. You know, it's not just about, oh, I'm confident to defend myself. It's, um, you know, if you're doing, say, public speaking or, or kids doing something at school. And I think that's that's a main benefit. Obviously, you know, staying fit and healthy. I, I remember when I used to train when I was younger, um, you know, I used to train for four or five days a week. If I wasn't training at the club, I was training, doing four-hour sessions with a heavyweight shoulder cam black belt in my garage and you train for like four hours just full out and I never used to catch a cold never used to get sick yeah. you know if I got healed really quickly not so much these days injuries take longer to heal so I'm more careful but you know yeah. so there's the benefits of training um benefits of teaching I think it's just you know giving up to others what I've got out of art for the years yeah, yeah. the years Know, and it's like, like I said, you, you 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 hear parents talking to parents of kids who've been training and now teenagers, and they, you hear them speaking to other parents. Oh, when my son started, he he was really shy, and now he's like this. Or, you know, I think that's that's the benefit. Keeps kids busy. Uh, I don't know. Why I'm saying kids keeps everyone busy. You know, we have adults and kids and everyone at the club. So, yeah, 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 definitely. No, no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think um, uh, it, it, it's it's. Uh, it's interesting for me because I, I think that as time's uh, gone on, you know, when I first sort of, sort of started, um, and, I, and maybe you, you can comment on this as well, the dynamics or the, the type of people that I got in my, that I have in my class now, um, there's it, it a lot more, uh, a lot more mix of people. Uh, when I first started, um, it was mainly guys, uh, mainly young guys who were interested in, in fighting and, and defense and whatever self defense, um, but. Within not myself personally, although I have got a few older students, but um, you know we had a, a guy start eighteen months ago who was ninety. Um, we also yeah ninety. Uh, we had uh, I've got a group of ladies that I grade. They're not my students, but I grade them. They're called the Tough Old Birds, um, and they train in Stroud. Um, and most of them are in their seventies um, and eighties. You know, so I don't. I don't know if you can. If you've got uh, such a cross section, have you? <laughs> no, but before we carry on with this, that would be a good article for the magazine. Well, it, it, 
it, it was, like yeah, def- definitely. Well, I, well, I, I actually um, wrote a, a small article that I put on the, the, the podcast, but that would be certainly good. Um, and I'm sure they'd be up up for it. I'm sure, they'd be up for it um, doing that. So we'll, we'll have to we'll have to get that one going. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. Definitely. In my club, we have oh, what's the oldest? We have some students for sort of I'm not sure the exact age, fifty mid fifties. Um, I haven't I haven't had anyone. 90 never yeah. asked a trade. Um, like, like you, when I started, my the Wembley Taekwondo was was mainly adults with some older teenagers. I'm talking like 17, 18 year olds, and the odd odd kid, like 12, who was the brother of another student there. Yeah. It, it was it was you know that age group, and then like you said, as as time has passed by, and then you got the uh Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and the uh, mixed martial arts that all the youngsters want to do now you know the, the, the atmosphere or not the atmosphere but the uh selection of students has changed yeah. um, but that's just but yeah i think traditional martial arts whether taekwondo or or karate or, or whatever floats people's boats you know it's still valuable and you know not everybody wants to you know be rolling around on the floor do mma fights and stuff like that you know i've, I've just had a student who trained with me when he was at high school and then he had to stop and he's, he's come back now, he's 30. So he was like 15 or 16 when he started trading. And then yeah, 14 yeah. years later, he's come back and he's loving it. He's loving it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, people benefit. So. Yeah, it's nice, nice to see that. You know, I've, I've got um, uh, a couple of students who started with me. Well, one in particular who started with me when he was seven. He's uh, now 40-odd uh, and has got his own his own family now um and um you know whether they uh will will come along and start i'm not sure at the moment but um it's it's great to it's actually great to to follow people through the life and see how they develop and the impact that martial arts can make on uh certain individuals um is is quite a humbling experience uh, i find so um you know that that's quite good yeah i've run in a club for 21 years what it is now yeah. Like you, I've seen students start as teenagers and now they're getting married and stuff. In yeah. fact, my most senior student, Vic, he joined Wembley Taekwondo Club when I was a black belt. Mm-hmm. And he was like 12 or 13 at the time. And I've seen him go from a boy to a man, seen him have girlfriends, seen him get married. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we've got two kids and he's still training at my club. Yeah, yeah. Which is He's been around a long time. And then the, the, my first crop of black belts, you know, most of them are married now. Yeah, They've yeah. Got kids. And a lot of them are still around. Not all of them, but a yeah. lot of them. And it's good. Yeah. It's good to see, isn't it? I've just just literally just had uh, uh, my first student uh, who has reached master level <laughs> from starting with me in the uh, in the very early 80s, uh, who's got to a, a grade of master, which is, which is nice nice to see. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not... Um, <laughs> This is, I don't know if this is controversial or not. I'm not a big one on grades, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, n- I never ever wanted to be a seventh degree or an eighth degree. Or, um, you know, when I was a uh, fifth degree, I got sort of uh, <laughs> pushed to take a six. And then I, they asked me about a seven. I said, no, I don't want <laughs> I'm quite happy being what I was. Because for me, it's always been about the training. I've loved the training, um, I've, as I said, particularly the, the physical side of it. So, uh, but it's nice to see somebody who's been with me such a long time uh, reach that level. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, great achievement. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. So you know, I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the association as well, which is nice. So just just coming on to um um, I, I know I know this this sorry this is probably a disingenuous statement because I'm sure you're much more than this, and I know you are because you've been teaching uh, a long time. But a lot of people see you as uh, a person who is particularly um, uh, involved with uh, alternative applications. Uh, of movements uh, within the Taekwondo syllabus. So, f- first of all, I want to ask you: you know, is, is how how do you see how do you judge that that statement? And I know you're you're obviously more than that. And I know you see Taekwondo. Um, that is just Taekwondo. It's not anything other than that. It's just Taekwondo. Um, it's not yeah. something that's separate from Taekwondo. A lot of people do see it separate from Taekwondo. Uh, I'm sure you don't. Well, how do you respond to that one? Well, as in people see what they call. See, what they call alternative applications, I just call applications. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. The applications, when you you teach in a student, say you're teaching a student, say, Dan Gunn, and you show them the, the, say, moves three, four, and five, and you teach them, you know, basics, oh, this is a knife hand block, you can, you know, and you show them where to place it and maybe put an arm out so they're blocking a punch. And then when you put them all together and you show them how it can be used as into move in, trap an arm, and they do a takedown and a throw, they're yeah. like, wow. You know, it, it sort of blows their mind. And they, they, they realise in their learning something that's more than the sum of its parts, What's the, what they're seeing. I just think it makes whether – you, whether you like them or you'd rather just stick to the really basic applications that we was always taught, you know, that's, that's up to the individual. But I think it elevates the art. And it definitely ele- elevates a student's learning and – the way they can react to stuff because you're basically teaching them self-defense combinations that would actually work. Yeah, yeah. You know, rather than yeah. just just doing a pattern that you know it wouldn't work. You know, they're not going to fingertip thrust somebody in the eye in the street. What well, they might do, but you know, yeah. it's, it's basically a bigger toolbox to, to use. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The average average person who doesn't look into these or, or doesn't train at a club that doesn't who have a limited limited repertoire of combinations and you know the one thing that irks me a bit is that a lot of these clubs they're, they're supplementing their self-defense side by doing crab magar or something like that which crab magar from what i've seen is basically the whole and soul section of taekwondo anyway yeah, yeah. for some reason they, they because of the way they've been taught themselves they 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 can't teach this stuff for some reason. I don't know why, because yeah, yeah. you know. But if they did, they, they'd be doing taekwondo and not have to do the crab maga or, or whatever they supplemented with. It's all there in in the system anyway. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's so, it, it, it's interesting because we're, 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 was it something? It's it's interesting you say that because you know di- different different things get get sort of passed on and. Um, you know, I, I can I can say you know sort of during the the eighties, for example, um, you know I did did a little bit of um, uh, when when Jeff Thompson, for example, was doing the rounds. You know, I did a little bit with with him, and um, uh, there was um, oh, sure I, I forget some of the names anyway. Um, who who were doing, for want of a better word, uh, self defense style martial arts or combat, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, and, um, a lot of the stuff, you know, I went along, um, and thought, wow, you know, I've never seen that before and I've never been taught it. So my point was, is that I think a lot, a lot of things 
don't get passed on. They've been lost um, for whatever reason. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, first of all, wondering why, <laughs> because, um, you know, it's it, certainly a lot of things was, was you know, I, I learned this is a block, that's a block, nothing else. Um, so you obviously must have thought, well, hang on a minute, there must be something more to this. You know, or was well, it somebody who, who inspired you to, to look into this? Well, it, let's, there's two questions there. The first one, where, where, where are these applications and why aren't they in the system? And that, that goes back to the history of karate, not taekwondo. Yes. It goes back from, from when it come from Okinawa to Japan. Well, the karate that's, that's, isn't it? Yeah whole different discussion because they you know in short basically for one reason or another took out all the stuff to teach on mass so yeah. they wanted it they wanted to teach 500 students in a line how to do a block and yeah. it's harder to teach 500 students how to use a block to perform a semi-complicated application yeah you yeah. need to go around so that that's the one side of it for me i come up the same you know so there's no problem with um, i call that taekwondo's black hole because we we learn what they learned in karate General Choi learned that and then and passed it on. So they learned it as a block. General Choi learned it as a block. He taught his senior instructors it as a block. And so we learned it as a block. And that's, that's how it was until, uh, I think, the early 90s or mid-90s. Um, and then, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough that, that, that a lot of our patterns were segments taken from the Shotokan Kata. Yeah. And that those segments, if you go right back beyond the Japan days, you, you know, you if you look in very old karate books, you can see like Funakoshi doing throws. You can see him like doing arm locks, and and then you look at everything. Hold on, that combination's from one yoke. Yeah, yeah. It's it's worth the same. Yeah, yeah. But my but so so that's how we can get applications like that are realistic. But my first, I, I, like I said, I come up the same as everybody else in the UK. You know, we was taught a middle block is to block a punch. You know, palm up with block blocks a punch from underneath and parries it upwards. Why would you parry a punch upwards towards your face? I don't know, but that's what we learned. Um, and then I used to love, I used to get all the martial arts magazines, Combat Fighters, Martial Arts Illustrated, um, Terry O'Neill's one, uh, Karate yeah. International. Um, you know, anything I could get my hands on. And I was reading, I think, Combat Magazine, and I come across, a, a, I think it's just a two-page article with uh, Master Willie Lim. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was just it was just him showing. I think it was it was showing how a knife hand guarding block can be an arm lock, and I was like, oh yeah. And at the time, funny you mentioned Jeff Thompson because it's about it's about the time his his uh, book Real Self Defense come out, and so we was we was going to the club an hour early anyway, and yeah. we was practicing like defense and you know yeah. preemptive striking and, and all that, and uh, and then then I read this, I bought this article, and then we started practicing um, the moves from Master Lim. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like three or four photographs, and it was a one-off article. But that that made me think about all the other stuff that could be there. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, like I said, I was training with this karate guy at the time, and I'd say, oh, what do you do for this move? And he'd say, oh, yeah, that's a head grab. And I'm like, oh, okay, so in, in your system, you grab a head with it. Yeah. Oh, we, we, we thrust our fingers towards the eyes. And then you, start, then you start putting things together and thinking, hold on, why would you poke someone in the eye and kick him in the groin? What you're doing is pulling, doing like a flat fingertip thrust over their head to grab their hair, pull yes. them forward, and then so they can't no, move. If you poke someone in the eye with a fingertip thrust, they're going to move backwards away from your kick anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And then it's just over time, you know, I, I was, I was like, researching stuff, and I was writing a, a manual. Weird enough, my first book didn't even start off as a book for the masses. I was writing a manual for my students. Yeah, and yeah. And I thought, I'll get a ring-bound 
thing. So, you know, rather than giving sheets of paper all the time, I'll, I'll give them each manual. And then it just grew and I started putting applications in. And then in the end, I just decided, you know, I'll just, I'll just do as many patterns as I can. And the one thing I, I, I like, I mean, there's lots of good books out, but with, with mine, you can go from the very beginning of a pattern to the very end of a pattern. Every move is used. Whether you like it or not, you know, whereas other books, they, they, they will show some combinations, show some good stuff, but then they miss out other stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, yeah. You know, and they got stuff, but I, I like the fact that if you've got a green belt, they can they can go through the whole of one yo and put realistic applications to every single combination in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I wanted to achieve. I didn't just want to do a bit here and a bit there, you know, because you, you see seminars and uh, I've seen guys do seminars and they take bits from MMA and they, they show them as you know this can be also be a taekwondo combination and, and it can be used yeah. in this pattern, but. You know, they, they, they're, they're picking and choosing. Whereas I, 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 I forced myself to find, I mean, even sometimes I would, there was one move in one of the patterns, you know, in uh, um, Chung Mu, is it Chung Mu or Ferran, where you do that U-shaped block, then you do the 360 jump. Oh, yeah, Chung Mu, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it, it, this stumped me why anyone would jump up in the air, turn 360 degrees to land back facing exactly the same way. I just couldn't get my head around it. So I... So luckily, um, you know, I was into Ian Abernethy's stuff. Um, you know, I, I was part of his forum and stuff. So I, I put it on there and he replied, oh, break it down into two moves. And then it, then it sort of like light bulb hit me. Yeah, it's, it's not a jump. It's, you step round and then you step round again. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually like throwing somebody and then stepping over their body in front of you type of thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, there's still a few, few uh, moves in Pantos that I'm not, totally happy with you know like i said i was when i've done the first book it was very early days for me trying to research stuff yeah, you know? yeah. so i was i would buy all the karate books i can especially shirt can ones and we'll go to the library and look and look at them and go through their kata and, and see what things they had but a lot of them was, were the same as our old taekwondo books they was punch kick block type stuff yeah, like yeah. eventually a bigger picture and then you know like i said eventually i was happy enough to release the first book i would that's the one book I would actually redo because since then, you know, obviously it come out in, I think, 2005. Yeah. I've got 50 more years of knowledge where I would go back and change some of them. Yeah. Application. yeah. Not all of them, but, yeah. you know, some of them. Yeah. So, no, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting you mentioned Willie Lim because a couple, I, I did some with him in the early days as well. Uh, Willie Lim. We had him um, come to, uh, to Bristol when I was living in Bristol. And, um, you know, as I said to you, we were doing this, it's a long, you know, you could use it for this. And we, and we were quite amazed at the time because we'd never seen anything like it. Um, yeah. And it was quite, it was quite an eye opener. Um, but I, I, I like the, I like the fact that, um, you know, my, my thing about martial arts, whether it be Taekwondo, Karate, Kung Fu, anything really, is that, um, you know, people, people can have a, a, a certain passion in one particular aspect but still love everything if you know what i mean i mean i, I yeah. you know and, and uh, fair play to you as well for for digging so deep into it and you've obviously gone deep into it which is uh which is great which also shows your passion as well and i think whatever people do um you know i i like to see people who have who are passionate about something whether whether i like it or not um i like to see people who are passionate about it and um not not just talk about it, but do something about it as well <laughs> which is which is quite important so you know, well done to you on that. Brilliant. Thanks. We had, we had great fun doing that. When, when I was writing the first book, my dojang, I had, it was a community centre, but no one else trained there. 
no one else did anything there at the time because it was on a really rough estate and I had the keys to the hall so we, we could stay there for three four hours after a class and take the photographs so we would test out the applications as well but I would show them to the students and they would test them on each other and then you know if it was good we do the photographs and, and do it like that and you know it's people people a lot of these anti-application people what they do they do one test run of an application it doesn't work for them as as well as like it should do or how I've written about it in the book and they discard it which is fine but I tell people an application is the same as a psychic you know if you think someone's going to do one psychic and get it perfect the very first time you know mm. it's not going to happen yeah. you know these, these take time to, to practice like anything else you know if everything was that easy everybody would be a grandmaster or a black belt yeah, yeah you know yeah. it's repetition like anything else yeah. but the problem is they discard it mainly because general Choi hasn't said it and it's not in, not in his book. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot of people out there that, that um, uh, say General Chase have a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of different things. Um, but there's... Uh, One of the things we say, which, which they forget, is that General Choice said, if an application works, it's a good application. Yes, yeah. yeah. And he, he said that at seminars, so... Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Well, I, I think, I mean, if you look at Taekwondo world uh, as it is now, particularly in the UK... Which is quite splintered, really. Um, you know, we have a lot of groups. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself with our with our group. You know, a lot of people do a lot of things uh, uh, differently because they think, well, actually, I prefer this or I prefer that or that doesn't seem to make sense and, and so on. Um, I also think actually that there's a lot of things uh, being being changed for change's sake and also for competition as well, which I don't agree with. But anyway. That's a that's an, that's another complete <laughs> podcast on its own. Um, I would suggest. What what about um what I call the um I suppose I call it the soft side of martial arts, sort of uh, meditation and breath work, which which I've got got into. Maybe this just says something about my age, uh, <laughs> because uh, if anybody said meditation and breath work when I was twenty seven, I'd said no. I'm, I think I'm going to go and spar for three hours instead. Um, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or whether you, you, you do any yourself I, I, I've i tried Tai Chi I've done it at seminars um, yeah. at training um, it's not really my thing at my age because I'm still quite young I'm only 50 so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we do that we, the only meditation we really do is the standard one at the end of class which most clubs do I believe and it's not really meditation it's you're just meant to sit down and take in what you've learned and try to help yourself remember it yeah you yeah. know but I don't mind I mean I like watching Tai Chi people yeah, you know yeah. I, don't, I don't mind it you know but it's just not for me but there's a couple of martial arts I've tried over the years that I couldn't get on board with not that I think they're bad martial arts or anything it's just not for me might be later like you said I know a lot of instructors as they get older they do get into Tai Chi and and similar arts so mm. maybe they never yeah. Yeah, I, I tried it a few years ago. Um, a bit, a bit of tai chi. It wasn't it, it, the reason why why I did it was was more about um, I wanted to be in a in a class where nobody know, knew who I was. Um, yeah. yeah, so I went to a, a tai chi class. And I did do it for uh, for for a little while. I actually quite, quite sorry. You go to ninjutsu class. You get a hood there. No one know you. Well, I did. Do you know what? It's the funny you should say that because I went into a jujitsu class and hated it. <laughs> jitsu with a hood. It, the ninja it, hoods. <laughs> it was um it was a, a sort of a traditional it wasn't sort of bjj or anything like that it was a traditional jujitsu class 
um, yeah. uh, many moons ago. But I don't know. I I, I was there. I thought this is, this is not exciting me in any way, shape, or form. Um, and that's, that's cool. yeah. It's weird. Hold on. Don't jump on the table. It's weird because years ago, John Pepper, he was into, whereas my one of my instructors, Dave Bryan, he was just pure taekwondo through and through, whereas John Pepper was into other stuff. And he had a, a mate who was a jiu-jitsu instructor. And he took me and a couple of the other black belts down to their classes like every couple of months. And we yeah, did yeah. this for about And it was all adults. All their fingers were taped together, you know, where they'd broken them. And, you know, yeah. it was a really rough and tumble jiu-jitsu club. Hardly any, I don't think there was any kids there. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. This was before, you know, I got into the applications and all that sort of stuff. We even come across Willie Lim. I, I loved doing the arm locks. I learned how to uh, get rid of a headache, you know, a mass- massage technique to get rid of a headache. Yeah. Um, and then, like, throw. Well, I already knew throws from my judo days, but they had locks and, and a lot of standing throws and stuff like that was quite cool. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I, but I, obviously, different clubs are different, I would say. You know, I think, you know, a student might come into my club and not like it, but then find another Taekwondo club that teaches exactly the same system and their style of teaching is different to mine, so therefore they enjoy it more there and that's, you know, fair play to them. Yeah, so, no, I, think, I think you're right there. I mean, I, I you know, don't, don't get wrong. I, I think um, there's obviously a, a place place for it all. I just found for me personally, I, I don't know what it was. Um, it didn't really excite me. It didn't um, I didn't leave thinking, yeah, I'd love to do that again. I thought, nah. Yeah. I'll just 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 leave that. But like I said, maybe if I'd gone to a different different class, um, you know, different instructor, different approach, you know, it might well have been um, uh, completely different. Who knows? Who knows? You know, it's, it's, yeah. it depends. What what about? Um, uh, I mean, pe- people who know me well uh, will know that um, myself and uh, uh, Master Ogborn, <laughs> my uh, my tall sidekick, uh, who I've been. Uh, known since I was uh, eight or nine years old um, and um, we've been taking the mickey out of each other for many, many years and um, training together as well. And an actual fact, it was a great, uh, a great friendship that actually worked out quite well because when we were both competing, uh, we used to fight at the, we used to go down to our class early and just spar and we used to literally lock, knock lumps out of each other. Um, so he used to, sort of practice sparring with people that were lighter and faster and I used to practice with people that were heavier and who'd hit hard uh, and I tell you what that st- stood us both in good stead so my question from that really is you know have you ever trained with a regular training partner or um you know is there anyone that um uh you know that 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 type you've had that type of relationship with well, um well like I said at my club yeah we was able to go down early and I trained up the black belt with a uh a guy called John O'Connor, he's a heavyweight. I was a lightweight at the time. Yeah, so yeah. we used to do exactly the same thing. You know, go in, um, the instructor trusted us with the keys. We'd go in, shut the door. Gradually, other students would join us. But at the time, it was just me, John, and then another black belt, Derek. We, we, you know, we, we do that, especially when tournaments were coming up and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. same thing. I, I, I hopefully helped him because I was quite fast. He was powerful. You know, he's a good technician. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And like I said, at the same time, I was training with uh, Shota Khan, he was a brown belt originally when he started training, and he got black belt. He was like 90 kilos and a n- natural bodybuilder. So he was really big, yeah, yeah. strong. Strong, yeah. I remember he, he, he was so powerful, um, he had an argument with his flatmate and got into a fight once, and he, he knocked him out with one punch. And the police come around, and, his, and um, his mate was seen walking the streets, 
and police come out and arrested him for assault with a deadly weapon. All right. But it, just his fist, it was it was that powerful. And they, you know, I mean, it was just a sort of silly sort of friends fight, but one yeah. of them lost their temper, all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, he used to really push me because he was mega fit, mega strong, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fighter, his only weakness was that he had uh, poor eyesight, so he wore glasses. Yeah. And then when he used to fight in shot can competitions, he used to get disqualified because they weren't allowed to fight in glasses. So I said, how do you fight? Because he kept knocking people out. And yeah. I said, well, how do you fight without your glasses? He goes, I just look for the white blur and try to hit it. <laughs> you know, a lot of times he, he, he would hit the wrong part and yeah. uh, knock him out. But yeah, that was good training. Four or five hours and then mix that with the club training. And then um, sometimes we used to get a group of guys and go down, train down the park for three or four hours, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, I always, I always, I don't like it when students, even at my club, I watch the students and I don't like it when they always seem to pick, you know, someone who's not going to give them too much of a hard time. I always say, pick the biggest, scariest one you can find. That's the person you want to be fighting if you want to become a good fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well exactly. Yeah, you, 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 have, you have to do it. Well, in, in, in some respects, I mean, I, I'm, you know, and I, I say this to, uh, to my students when I started, I mean, I was very, very light and small. Um, you know, you can argue I'm still that now. Um, and there was no weight categories. It's just like, right, green belts over there, blue belts over there, pair you off, uh, and that was it. Right. So you just fought anyone. Um, you know, consequently, my, my first tournament, I had my ribs broken by a guy who was about five stone heavier than me. Uh, but I loved it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> my mum thought I was absolutely bonkers. Um, but, um, yeah, so it, it took a, uh, a few years before weights came in in the very early 80s to a lot, a lot of the competition, but most up to that point were just open weight stuff. Um, yeah. You know, and I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it, but, uh, which is, which is where I developed my style of sparring, which was just to move, move <laughs> because um, uh, if I didn't, I knew I was going to get hurt. I knew I was going to get hurt. So it, it taught me a lot um, uh, about movement and about sort of slipping kicks and punches and things like that. So that was quite good. So, you know. Well, when I started, there were, they had three weight divisions, so I would mainly fight, you know, people roughly around my weight, and I stayed the same weight for many, many years. Um, yeah. I'm still not too far over it now. Yeah. Um, but occasionally we go to tournaments, and they'd be like, you know, a, a, not a great turnout or whatever. So they mix all the weight divisions together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember once I fought, I fought a guy who was 20 kilos heavier than me, and yeah. I could move around, but you've only got so much room to move. Yeah, yeah. And I, luckily, I was quite quick, um, so that was all right. I didn't mind that, but then when I, when I hit thirty five and I went into the veterans divisions, they yeah. was all big guys, anyone. Yeah. So I've done, that, I've done the vets for for about I don't know five years or something. Mm. Um, but the problem was, I was like, lucky if I was seventy kilos. These guys were like 80, 90 kilos. And the problem is, it's all right you can move around them, but eventually they're going to land something on you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is all right. Like I said, I, I use speed against uh, you know the, the, the weight and whatever. But I remember years ago, and this is what I teach them become a, a valuable lesson because I was always able to move around the big guys with good footwork and stuff. Yeah. And then I was at a black belt, a black belt training session, and this guy Kelly Ephraim was there, and he's he's like ninety kilos, and I underestimated him, yeah. thinking I could just move around. But what he had done, he he had the speed as well as the weight and the power. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. he like a lightweight, and he caught me with his turn, lovely turning kick. In my head and I was like wow how did that hit me and then that's a, a valuable lesson I teach my big guys I've got a couple of 80 90 kilos uh, blokes in my club 
One's a black belt, one's a white belt. And I say, if you can get the speed, you shouldn't always fight using your weight as your advantage. Get the speed, and then, you know, you're going to be virtually unstoppable. They can get heavyweight that fights like a lightweight. They're really dangerous. Well, I, t- I, t- I tell you what, um, it, it reminds me of the, the big man that I used to fight in the team with him was Tony Sewell. Um, oh, yeah. Now, he... Uh, very, very light on his feet and heavy, so quick, uh, flexible, had everything, really. And everything. I and I always thought I was quite quick. Uh, I remember <laughs> fighting at one of my very first squad training sessions, which was actually in Scotland. Um, it was in St Andrews. Um, or, no, it was further up than St Andrews. But anyway, and uh, trying to get out of the way of his kick and couldn't do it because he was so quick. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You know, if they can, um, uh, if they can move, you know, be light, move quick, but heavy as well, then that is a, a very deadly combination. <laughs> <laughs> you know, will be tied if you get kicked with it. But uh, but there we go. So what's uh, I mean, we sort of coming to the uh, to the end of our podcast in just a second. But what what um, I mean, and also as well, um, you know, I'd lo- love to to do this again and maybe discuss some other things as well. Uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is is that uh, have you anything in the pipeline at the moment or uh, anything for the future that you'd like to see for yourself or your schools? Um. Got, I've got a book idea that I've not put because of lockdowns and stuff. I had it for, for quite a while now. I mean, I could always do the volume three of the applications books, but yeah. I'm not, not sure. I, that's a lot of work. Um, but I've, I've got a book. I like, I like to do, now I've got some different books out. I like the fact that I've got covering different, you know, areas of Taekwondo. So I've got, you yeah. know, the books on just pattern performance. Yeah, that yeah. People can, if they're not into the applications, got the applications ones. If people aren't, don't need that at all, then I've got the history one. Yeah. I've done a wholesome style one, which I was quite pleased with. Um, uh, so there is, there is a, an idea. I won't say what it is in case someone nicks it because I've had that before. Yeah. <laughs> um, on, the, on the book front, there's that. Obviously, the magazine, we're continually trying to uh, do new stuff and keep it fresh and interesting. Yeah. Um, keep that. Um, and I'd like to get back to Korea. I've been to Korea twice now. Um, we were going to go in 2021, but obviously COVID and everything put a stop to that. So maybe in a couple of years we get back because Korea's it was, it was awesome trip. Well, both both of them. Oh, awesome. fantastic! And we're, I was due to go last year, by the way, <laughs> a week before the oh. lockdown. A week before the lockdown, I was uh, yeah, I was still going. Um, had everything. People were saying, "Are we still going?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, we're still going." And then bang, yeah, oh, right. absolutely gutted about it. And um, you still got I've still got the tickets uh, for it. I've spoken to, uh, to to Master Crook over there. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's uh, what's going to happen or when we'll be able to go. But um, very, very right. disappointed. Um, there was uh, uh, about twenty of us going. Um, so yeah, from our from our group. But uh, there we go. That's the way the world is at the moment. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully once things settle down, you get back there because you'll love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I, the first time uh, on on the the talk tour was was uh, was great. Um, it, it was, as I said, quite different because we had quite a mix of of people, very quite young, um, and people. sorry, someone already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twenty twenty seventeen, we did one. Oh, I think I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Twenty seventeen, um, but hope, hoping to, you know, we were hoping to go again. Um, but we'll see. See how it goes. See how it goes. Um, you know, it, 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 well, I mean, what I will say. On, on this podcast for everyone, if you ever get the chance to go on um, Master Crook's tour tour, just do it because it's fantastic. You'll have a great time. And it's also excellent value for money as well. 
I will say that it's really, really good. Um, you visit some fantastic sites. If if you if you love Taekwondo, you'll love the Talk Tour, definitely, mm. definitely. definitely. Yeah, I second that, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, thanks very much, Stu. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, I'd lo- love to have you on here again. Maybe talk about some other things, some other aspects of martial arts uh, again. Um, as I said, you know, th- th- this podcast is is about um, you know getting an insight into the people that perhaps are passionate about martial arts, why they're passionate, um, you know, and just exploring their passions a little bit. But uh, thank you very much. Um, really, really uh, great to see you, and um, you know, hopefully we'll see you. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you in person at some point as well uh, in the near future, and um, you know, we can chat again. Yep, love to. Excellent. Anytime. Well, well, take care. Well, uh, for all those listening, uh, we'll put some um, some details uh, in the show notes of uh, Stuart's books, and um, you know, I'm sure most of you are aware of them anyway. But we'll put them there. Uh, we'll see you soon on the Living Martial Arts podcast. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.